Another week of All In is upon us. Last week off because of Fordham graduation, a hectic week in the Rose Hill world. But now we're back. Julia Moss, Annabelle Watson, I'm Miles Grossman, our producer, Bridge. Always appreciative for being here. A fun show, Women's World Cup in a couple of weeks coming up in July. On the other side, the Liberty, a super team era really upon us now in New York. And also lots of key injuries throughout the entire World Cup scheme. So we'll Break that down. A really fun half hour, but really with this super team era in the Liberty, always lots to talk about. An up and down week, right? They start the year off a tough road loss and they come home and Stewie breaks the record, right? 45 points, never been done before in Liberty history. Six three-pointers, a career high for her career. Just an unbelievable night. And I think, you know, really what this first week has proved about Liberty basketball is how volatile they really can be, especially until they gel. We don't really know what product we're going to see on any given night, Julia. Yeah. I mean, you said it really well there. I mean, the first game, you know, it feels like everyone's smashing the panic button really hard because you lose 64 to 80 with the expectations and the, the understanding of, you know, you just created, you know, a whole new wave in the WNBA, you know, whether it be, through super teams or, you know, like really just manufacturing a super team for the first time in WNBA history. And then you go out and you lose 64 to 80. I mean, given Elena Deladon is finally healthy again, that's a tough matchup, but you get blown out in your first game. And I feel like a lot of people hit the panic button. I know I was a little bit, uh, you know, I wasn't going as far as to say they were frauds, but it definitely isn't a good start to a, a roster that's that deep and that incredible. But then, you know, you move over to the Fever, who, you know, of course they have Aaliyah Boston, but the reason they have Aaliyah Boston is because they were so bad before they got her. So they're not a good team. And Aaliyah Boston's a great player, but you can't expect her by herself to turn around a franchise so soon. And, you know, they just look really bad against the Liberty. I mean, it, it helps that you have Brianna Stewart, you know, smashing records. Um it, she played incredible, and then you had, of course, UNESCO, Jonquil, who Jonquil Jones did not play very well in the first game and kind of turned it around a little bit in the second. Um, but really, I mean, what can you say about Brianna Stewart other than if this continues, she's on the road, and, you know, in the same way that you don't want to smash the panic button in the first game, you don't really want to make too many crazy um, predictions for the future for Brianna Stewart. But if this is a start to what her season is going to look like, we could be in store for something huge. No doubt about that. I think that there's always like a lot to be excited for when you have that team. And I think what was so shocking about that initial loss was that they weren't really competitive throughout. I mean, you, you go on the road, you think even with a super team, if we lose, we're going to be in this ballgame throughout Annabelle. I don't know if we really saw that product on opening night, but they did obviously prove what they could be back at home. 
Yeah, I mean, I think when you have a team with such high expectations, when they lose on the first night, it's always you want to press the panic button. But, you know, sometimes if they don't have that expectation, it's fine. There's there's room to grow. But I think really here with Stewie having that really great game, breaking that franchise record, I think that it makes fans a little bit more optimistic and excited about this team instead of panicking. And like Julia said, I think it's important too to not get too excited because, you know, how many times could that happen? You don't want to get too excited and set your expectations too high yet again. Um, Like Julia said, Fever, they're not a great team, but, you know, Aaliyah's on that team She's going to have to kind of develop and, um, you know, hopefully they can kind of mesh around her. And, you know, I think with Brianna Stewart having this huge night, um, it actually happened on my birthday, which was cool. A little birthday present for me. But um, she talked about how important it was for her to play like this in her debut because, you know, I think it brings a lot of attention to the sport. It brings a lot of attention to the Liberty. And, you know, she said you know, she was so excited to be home in Brooklyn. And she said that before the game, but she really cemented it with her, her performance. And I think it gives fans a huge thing to look forward to with her. And, you know, as a fan myself, it makes me super um, excited to see her play. She also added 12 rebounds. um, And so, you know, hopefully we'll see them continue to improve and, and Stewie continue, continue to dominate. And something that is even more fun to look forward to, you know, we really covered a lot of, you know, what they've done so far, but you look forward to the next four games. It's all against teams that they've acquired. So they play the Liberty Saturday, you know, I mean, they play the Sun Saturday, the Liberty do, Sean Quell Jones's former team. And then they play the Storm on Tuesday, Brianna Stewart's favorite or uh, former team. And then they have two games against the Sky on June 2nd and June 4th. So the next four games, each player is going to have a little added extra, you know, oomph to it. And, you know, the sun and the storm, as in the same way that the Liberty have been helped a lot by acquiring these players, those holes have been left in those other teams. So you can see this this Liberty team really going on a run for these next few games because the sun without jean well, you know, lackluster, the storm without Sue Bird and Brianna Stewart. Now, you know, a lot to work with there, a lot to a lot to make up there. So it's going to be a fun few games for the Liberty, I think, for sure. And especially that added, you know, extra of each of these players are about to play their former team in straight games. It will be odd to see John Quill play against Connecticut. I think that'll be really fun. It'll be cool to see the pregame encounters before the, against her former team and so the Liberty stand at one and one right now, and their next contest is against the Sun, the three and zero undefeated Connecticut Sun. And two of the Suns' wins are actually over the Mystics, the team that dominated the Liberty on opening night. So I think really the Connecticut Sun are a team that flew under the radar free agency wise because they lost John Quell. Obviously, it seemed like you know with their head coach and GM in Miller going over to Los Angeles, the whole core in Miller and John Quell would be gone, but they've really surprised a lot of people. So I think once the Liberty get past the sun, they're going to enter a nice smooth sailing period, but the sun have really surprised people. And I don't, I mean, they can't stay undefeated forever. It seems like a good spot for the Liberty to kind of bring them back down to earth. But what have you seen out of Connecticut this season that, you think that the Liberty might struggle with 
coming up on Saturday. I mean, Dewana Bonner has been incredible. Alyssa Thomas also has been really good. Two of those forwards really getting in there and scoring a lot and also getting rebounds. Alyssa Thomas, Alyssa Thomas having 10 and 22 uh, against the Mystics. Um, that's going to be a matchup that I'm interested to see uh, for the Liberty because something about the Liberty do really well is score. They have a lot of scores. And, of course, they have Jean Quell, who's that defensive presence. But outside of that, if Jean Quell is not on her A game on the defensive side, like, it, it's a lot like almost almost like the, the Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving era of the Nets. Not to bring this uh, – I know this hits kind of close to home with me and Miles as two of the Nets reporters, but, you know, they were so good at scoring, but they couldn't defend anything. So, you know, if, if these games become a battle of who can score more – you know, I do like the Liberty in that kind of battle, but you, if they can play any kind of defense that's, you know, competitive enough, they should be able to win. But I, you know, that's that's the part that I think Connecticut's done really well is a balanced, be able to balance out offensive defense. And that's something that they could take advantage of against Liberty. Yeah, I mean, I think that this could potentially be a very high scoring game because of the offensive level of both of these teams. And, you know, something about Connecticut, I think that they had such low expectations coming into the season. You know, they lost John Quell. They had a lot of shuffling around. But, you know, I think for some teams that can light a fire for them and really get them going. And obviously we've seen in these first three games that they've done so. And, you know, for for them against the Liberty who kind of stole their star, you know, that could be even, even more exemplified. And um, you never know what can happen, but I think they've really exceeded expectations. And I think, you know, they have a lot of momentum going into this game and hopefully the Liberty can kind of balance that offense and defense, but I'm really interested to see um, where this matchup goes. Absolutely. It's a really big opportunity this Saturday for the Liberty because I think after the Mystics game, everyone kind of knew they were going to thump the fever. Even if, even if you didn't expect the 45-piece out of Stewie, you were going to say the Liberty are going to get there and I will win. This is going to be a big, momentous victory, which it was, right? They go up huge in the first half, 19 points in the first quarter out of Stewie, and then they really coast to the finish line. It wasn't competitive down the stretch. So this upcoming game against the Sun is really their first challenge that they could succeed upon they had a challenge in the mystics they fell short they didn't have a challenge in the fever they capitalized and now this is their first true challenge and wrapping up the liberty talk with how they played last time out i think it was special there was some some really high points in the first half but some really low points in the second half the first eight minutes of the fourth quarter the entire team scored two points they were up around in that 25, 30 range. So it really did not matter. You could see some complacency possibly there, but when you score two points in eight minutes, five points in the entire fourth quarter, given that it doesn't matter, you don't expect that kind of offense. I mean, what do you think led to that horrible fourth quarter out of Liberty given it didn't matter? I mean, still that, that, that really can't happen. Yeah. I mean, I think you hit it right on the head there with the complacency, uh, uh, factor but I also think it's like you have to remember these players have never really played with each other in a WNBA setting I mean a lot of them have played on Team USA together but you know it's a different level of competition for sure when you're in league play in the WNBA and a lot of these players 
you know, the whole starting five really have never quite played with each other very much outside of Sabrina and Benajah. Um, I mean, you got Courtney coming in, Courtney Vandersloot coming into the new team, obviously Jean-Claude Jones, Brianna Stewart, like they've never played with each other on the court for the same team in the WNBA. I think people need to check their expectations just a little bit as they need to with every super team, because while all of these players are really good, a lot of that is because teammates facilitate really good play and it takes a minute for their teammates to really determine what works and what doesn't for each player and you know you're going to get those two minutes and eight or two points in eight minute kind of quarters while they work out the kinks there um but i think (laughs) this upcoming game (laughs) is a really good opportunity to kind of figure out where the liberty actually are Yeah, I mean, I think kind of to just summarize what both of you guys said, I think that the expectations obviously were super high for the Liberty being a super team, but you kind of have to give them that that benefit of the doubt that it's going to take a while for them to gel and really get things going. But, you know, you do want to see them perform against the Sun because they did kind of fall flat with the Mystic. And, you know, I think this is a really important opportunity for them. And you want to see those players like Stewie and Jungkook continue to succeed, but also, you know, make it a whole team effort against the teams that that really matter, like the Sun. Absolutely. The name of the game is definitely opportunity for Liberty this weekend. Once they finish up that Sun matchup, like you said, Julia, the storm in the sky, and even moving beyond that in the links and the dream, those are squads that the Liberty expect to beat in, in routine fashion. So I think Connecticut and Opportunity provide a bit of a, of a spring moving forward and in, in, in what could be their first success in, in, in a true challenge. And one of the things that I found really interesting about the first couple days of, of, of watching these Liberty play was that Sabrina's in a completely different role. I think that even in these post-game and pre-game pressers, she's used to getting 10 questions floated her way. And then when she sits in there and John Quell's getting eight questions, Stewie's getting four, and she's getting one, she sits there a little confused, like, wow, this never really happened before. When she was at Oregon, right, she faced the franchise, faced women's basketball at the time. I mean, there was really no one bigger than her in NCAA women's basketball at the time, right? First overall draft pick. So I think... Sabrina adjusting to this like third option role has been has been really interesting off the court and on the court. I think she really shined against the in their most recent win over the fever more so than she did against the Mystics. And in the Mystics game, she was much more ball dominant, right? Take it high, high volume shooter like she was in the past couple of years. But obviously in the more successful Liberty game, she was quiet. She t- took a step back, became a bit more of a facilitator. I'm wondering, Julia or Annabelle, really, I, I want to know, do you think that Sabrina's a-, a better suited as a facilitator on this team, or do we still want her taking that same kind of high-volume performance day in and day out that we saw her first three years? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, someone has to pass. Someone has to be the facilitator. There's got to be one on the team. And when you've got dominant scores like Brianna Stewart, and, you know, I mean, Courtney Vanderson's an amazing facilitator, I would say. Um, so that's great there. But, yeah, you make a great point. You know, this is the first time in Sabrina Unescu's, like, career co- collegiate on that she's not, like, that person. And, you know, it's a really unique situation for her because usually when you establish yourself in that role at the highest level, that doesn't usually get taken away from you. 
And she's definitely fallen down, you know, not because of any kind of performance, but just because, you know, she's surrounded by stars now and she can't be that, you know, that first option in every situation. And, you know, whatever works. And it seems like what's working right now is her facilitating and shooting when it's smart and not being the person to put up, you know, 10, 15 shots. What, I mean, I'm always on the, this is a very unique situation and, you know, we got to figure out what works and what doesn't. And right now they played two games and when they won, she was a facilitator. So as of right now, I am all for her, you know, being a good passer, a good, you know, taking smart shots and not putting the team on her back and, and knowing her new role. And I, so far in that second game specifically, of course, really did a good job there. Yeah, I mean, Julia kind of took the words out of my mouth, whatever works. Um, if she has to be a facilitator one night, she does. If if Stewie's having a bad night, then she can step in and be that main scorer for them. I think when you have a super team like this, it gives you the ability to have kind of these changing roles. If someone's underperforming one night, someone else can step in. And, you know, we were talking earlier about how there needs to be some time for them to gel. And I think an another big part of that is that these big players like Sabrina need to kind of accept their new roles. And it's, it's definitely different for them to not be the main star on their team. And it's just definitely a very different, different dynamic for a lot of them. So, you know, I think that it's going to be a lot of shifting, a lot of changing. And, you know, I believe that these players can kind of go with the flow, but it's definitely really interesting to see, see the dynamics and see the role changing. Definitely. And Sabrina as a number three option really does look weird, but she's such a good shooter that when, I mean, when she's kind of quiet, plays the role of a facilitator and then comes through with a couple big threes. I mean, that's a, that's a role you'd be very happy with, with Sabrina being in and just taking a look at her stats through two games, right? She starts off on the road in Washington. Washington's a great defense. No comparison to Indiana. We're talking about one of the best defenses in the league opposed to one of the worst, but Take a look at the stats. 34 minutes at Washington, 18 points, eight boards, only two assists in a blowout loss. They were, Even though they did close the gap a little bit in the second half and make it 16 points, they were never in that ball game really from tips. Part of the first quarter they were in it, but not much after that. And then in the win over Indiana, win by 17, she's got nine points, eight assists. Obviously, the, the role changes, and I think we'll, we'll see that continue as the year goes on. I think it'll be interesting to see if she's able to, to be disciplined. And I think, you know, there's a certain balance there because you got to be super disciplined when you have all these weapons around you to not force your shot. But also one of the things they'll talk about in the post-game pressers is there's so much talent that at times they pass up open looks trying to think ahead, like it will this extra pass possibly buy a better shot. And, you know, when you have that plethora of talent, they're always got to, you always got to walk that line. Am I going to be aggressive or look to my superstar teammate? And I think, like you said, Julia and both Annabelle, you know, in the next couple of weeks, they'll find their stride, but they, they, they'll play this upcoming Saturday, 1 PM, just the day after tomorrow at home against the Connecticut sun. Stewie hasn't played since her 45, so it will be fun. I think that that, that Barclays crowd was really into it, obviously opening night, watching that historic performance. And I expect another, you know, fun crowd versus Connecticut, an undefeated Connecticut team. So it'll be interesting. But we'll now turn to a little bit 
of a different realm now in the soccer world. The Whirlwinds World Cup coming up in just a few weeks or months at the end of July. Julie, I know this is a topic you've been keeping a close eye on. The U.S. women's national team hasn't really been very active in the recent months, but now they're getting ready for a World Cup and it's it's coming right up. Yeah, like I feel like I blinked and we're at the World Cup from the, the Olympics just in 2021. Like it feels like yesterday. And unfortunately, it feels like, like yesterday because they played terrible in the Olympics. Uh, I don't know if, if people remember, you know, as well as I do, but, you know, they absolutely put up goose eggs constantly uh, in statistical categories, important ones, specifically on the offense. Uh, things weren't clicking in Tokyo, and this is the first, obviously, the first major, major tournament since then, as, you know, it cycles every two years between the Olympics and the World Cup. And, like, truthfully, since the World Cup, I haven't seen much change in the roster, and no one's exciting me. I mean, Trinity Rodman is great. You know, she's been killing it for the for the spirit. But outside of that, you know, it feels like we've just lost players rather than gaining them. You know, Kristen Press has torn her ACL. She's kind of out of the mix at this point. She said that she wants to still make a run for the World Cup, but, you know, she hasn't played in a year. She was already starting to lose favor from Black Goat even before her torn ACL. And then... You look at aging players like Megan Rapino, Tobin Heath, you know, Alex Morgan is getting up there in age. She's still she's still really good. You know, maybe stamina's not there as much. You never know. Um, you know, she's just getting up there in age and you know, Kelly O'Hara, you know, that that really that solid team that we've seen for the past fifteen years, honestly, is is kind of that era is ending and Black Goodanovsky has not done a good job at replacing that era. And I'm very worried going into the World Cup because, you know, they lose to England, they lose to Germany, they lose to Spain, right? Those three games, those four games were kind of like the the kick in the butt, like, oh gosh, like, can we even compete with good teams? And then they have a couple of good wins after that. They finish strong-ish. Like, it's been all right, but it really hasn't been enough for me to go into this World Cup thinking that we have a big shot to win. And as a U.S. team that's been dominant for so, so long, this is kind of the first time in my life at least, we're going into a tournament as big as the World Cup thinking, like, I would be really happy if we place in the top three rather than I'm going to be mad if we don't win. Yeah, I mean, definitely going off what Julia said, it's it's a huge change in expectation for the U.S. women's national team. You know, I'm not as huge of a fan of them as Julia, but, um, you know, I think in recent memory, this is the first time where I've kind of been not super excited about it. And like, my expectations are very low. I think that the injuries have really put a damper on a lot of things. Um, it leaves a lot of questions open. You know, there's a ton of questions about midfielders now, goalkeepers. Um, and, you know, the injuries, it's just sad to see that that's kind of what's sabotaging them. Um, and, you know, just aging, I think it shows that that era of big success with um, the women's national team is kind of over. And I think it's definitely hard to accept. Um, hopefully they can come together and play well, but you know, the injuries it's, it's really tough. And also to see them not perform against those teams like 
England and Germany are are hard and they played pretty well in those Ireland friendlies but um you know Ireland isn't isn't one of those big teams you kind of expect to beat them so hopefully they can fill those gaps that they have and you know try to rally together and and win and you know hopefully we don't set our expectations too high hopefully they exceed but it's definitely a new era for um the US women's national team no, no, yeah, this is also like a situation of like Vladko and Anofsky to say the very, the absolute very least, this World Cup, he is coaching for his job a hundred thousand percent. If if they don't perform very well, it's not even just like a if they don't, you know, place in the top four or five, like I mean, they don't win, he'll get fired. If they don't play very well, and if they honestly, if they don't dominate this World Cup, I don't see Vladko and Anofsky coming back because. His leash has been far too loose, 100%. I think he should have been fired after the Olympics because that performance was really bad. That team did not play together, and that was understood to be kind of like the last hurrah of that era of players playing together where they're all playing near their peak, and they performed terribly. It wasn't, and it seemed to be like a tactical issue, too. It wasn't even, you know, a skill. Like, the skill was there. I mean, you've got, like, Rose Lafell, Lindsay Horan, you know, your Tobin Heath was playing, Kristen Press, Megan Rapinoe, you know, all the big names that we've seen for years and years, they were all playing and they're playing well, but they just couldn't find the back of the net. And it seemed to me from an outsider's perspective, obviously a viewer, it just seemed like the game plan was just wrong. And it's, it's hard, you know, your game plan has to be pretty bad for, you know, a viewer to be like, oh, that's weird. Like usually your first, uh, your first, uh, you know, assumption is that just the players aren't playing very well. But for it to be so obvious and in your face that like what happening, what's happening right now is not working from a tactical standpoint, you really know something is very wrong. But to switch the topic just a little bit, um, the U.S. has something that they, you know, it's unfortunate for the players, but something that benefits the U.S. while they've had injury issues, England is a team that's had some injury issues. Uh, Leah Williamson is is not going to play in the World Cup with a torn ACL. Beth Mead not playing in the World Cup, and then on the Netherlands side, they're really a one a one horse race in Vivian Miedema, and she just tore her ACL as well. So Netherlands is effectively out of the World Cup. Uh, you know they might have made a run with Vivian Miedema, but now that she's not playing, you know they don't really have to worry about the Netherlands too much. And then England, as I said before, dealing with some really tough injury issues. Leah Williamson, their captain. And she's not going to be there for the World Cup. So the U.S. has their own injury issues, but they can definitely benefit from the other injury issues, which is a whole wider conversation that, you know, needs to be researched a lot. Because if you, you know, if you really look into it, the ACL injuries in women's soccer right now are just like quadruple the the usual. And I don't know what the reason is, but something is going on there. But really just in a in a sentence to wrap that up, you know, the the le- the playing field is leveled. It's up to the United States to take advantage of that. No, yeah, I mean, hopefully they c- – go ahead, Miles. <laughs> no, I was just going to say my apologies. I was too slow there. Um, it's so funny. In Las Vegas, it seems that the Liberty – not the Liberty, the USA are the favorites to, to, to win. And then the number two is the England at plus 275 – for the U.S. and plus 300 for England, there's a serious drop-off. So really, betting odds-wise, it seems that those are the two favorites, and it's, it's pretty unbelievable they both 
had the injury bug as of late. Like you said, two stars really not even participating for England. It'll be interesting to see if the U.S. is now has that leg up because they've over the last couple of years has been the injury bug time and time again. So now they're you know they're running mate getting a taste of their medicine. It's funny. Yeah, I mean, I think just seeing these injuries, no matter who you're rooting for, um, it's just really sad to see that these, um, you know, legendary players are constantly getting bit by this injury bug. And hopefully there can be kind of some research into that just to improve it. But I think it is, in a way, a good thing for the U.S. because they don't feel totally alone in this issue. So hopefully they can kind of capitalize on that. But clearly there's some deep, deep coaching issues Hopefully they can be fixed um, before the World Cup. But, you know, I'm caution cautionary, optimistic about that. But, you know, it, it's definitely tough to see these constant injuries happening to these players because, you know, I think as viewers, we're missing out on some great soccer. And, you know, it, it's just tough to see. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I completely, completely agree. And. You know, it's another situation of like, oh man, Rosabella is not playing until so she's done until the World Cup. She's not going to have that time to really, you know, work up to the World Cup. And then, you know, Katarina Macario officially not going to be playing. And that's, you know, she's been killing it for, for OL in France. Um, so that's a huge blow to the U.S. And Sam Mewis, we haven't seen her play very much. She's been, you know, setback upon setback. And then Kristen Press, like, if you really take a look at the scope of women's soccer right now, it is scary. And it's unfortunate because especially with the England, with England's national team, they just had a huge moment winning the euros. You know, that was, that was a big moment for them and for them to, you know, have all these injuries. It's terrible timing. I can't imagine what it's like to be a player like Leah Williamson, just captain the Euro winning team and then tear her ACL right before the world cup. That is just, just such a blow and it. What's crazy is that a lot of these players are, you know, bring it to a club level. A lot of these players are in Arsenal. Arsenal has had crazy bad luck. I mean, Vivian Miedema, Beth Mead, and, and uh, Leah Williamson, all on Arsenal. Those are like the big three of that team. And they've all had torn ACLs within a few months of each other. So, uh, you know, you got to look at the training staff for sure of that team. And there's been a couple other players outside of them that have also recently torn their ACL. Like it does this. They've had like five an ACLs on that roster, which is absolutely insane. And there's always an element of luck, but you always, yeah, you think training staff and you also think quality of turf possibly. Like at Fordham, I know the, the football team doesn't like to practice on Murphy. They like to practice on the actual turf because there's so many twisted ankles. It's just kind of par, par for the course. So I wonder if there's a certain issue like that. You would assume that they got top quality turf consistently, but it is such a – anomaly about how, how this injury bug has really come to a head this year in women's soccer but the women's team the u.s women's team will get their world cup campaign started july 21st a friday 9 p.m on fox eastern time that is so still a couple months obviously you know a lot of long-term injuries that you know aren't even in the conversation about returning in that time frame but still a couple months to get the footing under themselves, really figure out all those tactical issues, like you said, Julia. But that's going to do it for our episode of All In This Week. I've been Miles Grossman, Julia Moss, Annabelle Watson. Thank you so much for tuning in. We appreciate your time and hope to talk to you soon.